to Dads Talking Dads, a Padres podcast. My name is Joel Miller. Um, I'm going to be leading the show today, a little change up there, uh, and uh, my partner out in Phoenix, Johnny Goetti. How you doing today, Johnny? I'm great. Was that a baseball joke? Yeah, oh, yeah, it was. I'm glad you caught that. up in there. Oh! Yeah, it, just, <laughs> it was just sort of started happening. Like, I kind of thought about stopping myself as I was saying it. I was just like, no, yeah. let's just go with it. Let's no, just go with just it. Just go with the flow. Just <laughs> let, it, let it flow through you. So, um, how was your... How was your week, man? It was great. Um, I started a new job, and so this was like my first real week of doing actual work things and not just like sitting next to people watching them do stuff. Right, right. Uh, so it was nice. It's a really busy time of year where I work um, because it's in financial aid, so it's the time of year where all the kids are getting geared up for next year. So it's been busy, but it's it's been nice. I, I like it so far, and... Uh, it was a good, good week of games and the weekend's been nice. How about you? Uh, you know, I had a pretty great week. Uh, we, uh, that's actually going to take us into our first topic, but we, uh, took the kids out on Tuesday, played a little hooky, uh, and decided to go to a Padres game. And that turned out to be a very great idea. Uh, we had, uh, great seats to the game and we just got a, you know, front row seat to watch Jordan Lyles almost complete the first no hitter in Padres history and put the cherry on top and almost get a perfect game. Um, he had that through seven and a third before uh, another player we're going to get into later may or may not have ruined things for him. Um, <laughs> from my point of view, it looked like he could have dove for it, Franchi Cordero. Um, but any all in all, I mean, it was a great game. Padres looked super sharp. I think that's because they were probably picking up on the fact that Lyles was having such a great day. But, I mean, everybody was on point. Villanueva looked good at third base, which is uh, not the usual. I mean, he's a little bit weaker on defense typically. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a beautiful day at the ballpark. Had a great time. Uh, had a great week. So, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about Jordan Lyles. I mean, do we, do we think that uh, this is something that he's going to sustain? Do we think this is the Jordan Lyles we should expect on the mound from here on out as a starter? Uh, or did the stars align and... Uh, he just had it going on for that that start. Uh, I think he made a start today, actually. Um, so that might be a good good thing to look at to see uh, yeah. where he's trending. But uh, what do yeah. you think? I you know I, I, it would be super awesome if he uh, you know was in perfect game territory every time that he that he pitched. But I think he'll be not that good, but still better than what he's been for the last few years. Um, I was looking at, I, I know actually Fangraphs had posted an article today, or excuse me, not today, they had, uh, Fangraphs had posted an article this week uh, talking a little bit about Jordan Lyles and specifically looking at his curveball, which he's been uh, showcasing a lot this season. Um, just some things, if you, if you didn't have a chance to read the article, um, Lyles throws a, a really hard curveball. Uh, it's averaging around just under 85 miles an hour. And it's also, even with that speed, still getting a lot of vertical movement, um, which when I was looking back, actually, at his numbers, he had really good movement at Houston, uh, as far as, excuse me, just to clarify that, uh, when I say movement, I'm talking about vertical movement. So um, the vertical movement on his curveball in Houston, uh, he was getting about uh, seven to eight, uh, sometimes over eight inches of downward break on his curveball. And then as soon as he went to Colorado, that halved. So he was about in the three to four inch range. 
Um, so his curveball, I mean, that, I mean, that's the Coors effect in action. Uh, the Coors <laughs> effect uh, is, you know, it, it just completely took the break off of his breaking ball. And I think a lot of that can, uh, you can contribute his struggles while he was playing in Colorado to the, you know, playing in, playing in Colorado. It's just, it, it, it takes the break off the ball. It really straightens it out. It makes it easier for hitters to see. And this season, uh, since he's, you know, his first full season now with the Padres, he's been back up in that seven, eight, uh, seven, eight inch range. He's actually in the month of May, he's been averaging nine inches of uh, downward break on his curveball. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a big trend of throwing the curveball more nowadays. I don't think as many players and coaches are afraid of it as they used to be. So if he's able to throw that pitch and, and put guys away with that, then I think we could see a, a good amount of quality starts from Jordan Lyles. Uh, I, I, what do you think, Joel? Well, I'm looking at his Fangraphs page here, and they, they, I think a lot of what you're saying is making sense with the Coors effect. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at the, uh, the what is that, three years with the Rockies, he had mm-hmm. a little bit, well, that he was down in the minors in 2014 for a while, but 2014 through like halfway into 2017, is fair. Uh, so we're looking at 6.39 Ks per nine, 5.51, 5.84, 4.91. Um, so I think there's some merit to your your argument about, you know, the high altitude taking some of the break out of his curveball. Um, as he has the 2017 season where he comes over to San Diego, it jumps up to 7.11. And so far on the 2018 season, he's got nine strikeouts per nine innings. Um, so, I mean, whether it's the, the break on the curveball, which I, I tend to subscribe to as well, um, something has changed. He's figuring something out, and the, the peripheral numbers are starting to show that. So uh, I think there's a lot to be excited about for Lyles. Um, I think when anytime you've got a guy who throws a great curveball, he's going to be living and dying by that pitch. I mean, that's that's clearly his swing and miss pitch. It's a strikeout pitch. Um, what I saw when I was at the game on Tuesday was a lot of swinging strikes. So um, it's, it's kind of hard to contain your optimism when you see a performance like that in person. So I, I'm very excited about Lyles. Yeah, by the way, thank you for texting me that, uh, actually, you texted me, I believe it was, uh, Jordan Lyles is having a very good night, winky face. (laughs) I think I I had three winky faces on that. Oh yeah, I think it was three. That's how I, that was the, that was the giveaway too. I'm like, oh, it's a very good night. (laughs) Uh, but, uh. I was actually looking up Lyles' numbers today, so I, I didn't get a chance to watch the game. Uh, we were out doing family stuff because we're dads. And we're dads talking dads. We got we we don't always have time to watch every game, unfortunately, as much as I would love to. Uh, it would kill my data plan if I watched this, all the Padres baseballs we were out and about. Uh, <laughs> but but Lyles pitched today uh, five and two thirds, uh, seven hits, four earned runs, four Ks. Uh, so. Not as good of an outing today, but I don't know. I, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, I know Matt Strom came in after him, uh, only gave up a hit. I don't know if that hit ended up being an earned run for Lyles or what, but, uh, well, you know, it's an earned run. You earned it. Uh, so, yeah, not as good today, but, but, but that's not exactly a disaster outing as well. And they did end up winning the game 8-5. Uh, to five. And uh, as a matter of fact, they are now... 20 and 28 which is hey that's not 20, terrible 20 wins so that's eight, eight yeah. up from 500 we're almost there yeah 
Yeah, we're in our we're in our annual May swing where we kick ass in May after starting slow in April. Uh, it's it's like the weirdest damn thing. I think there was what was it maybe oh nine we went like twenty two and uh, or maybe it was like twenty and seven or something in May. It was something ridiculous. Um, anyway, yeah, I, yeah, sorry, so, got us a little off. I topic, mean, I think but... <laughs> no, it's okay. And I think uh, it's a great point you make about May. Um, I, I kind of wonder whether or not they're going to sort of come up for air, get above that 500 line briefly before more than likely just descending back down into the cellar where they started. But um, it's been a very, very long time since we've seen 500 baseball out of the Padres. I mean, uh, well, shoot, did they, uh, did they win the first game this season? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, okay, so maybe it's more recent than I thought. But, it, but it's, you know, sustained 500 baseball. Correct, yeah. It's, that's, it's that's basically definitely been a while. Yeah, it's every season after season, it's basically just been a plummet down into the cellar, and then they stay in it <laughs> all year. So, <laughs> um, Making wine. Making prune, or whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think I'll uh, sort of transition here from talking about pitching strikeouts to uh, batting strikeouts. Uh, last week I was hoping to get into this analysis I put together. Um, I was not able to uh, update the numbers from last week, so these these stats that we're about to get into are as of uh, May 12th when we did our last recording. Uh, to Johnny's point, we are both dads, so we, uh, we don't always have time to update those kind of stats. We're not very, you know, we're very not busy. Very busy. <laughs> we're kind of a big deal. <laughs> but anyway... <Listen>. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I put together a little bit of analysis. Uh, what I was looking at basically was, uh, I had been thinking about sort of the new, um, philosophy for hitting in the modern baseball era, which seems to be sell out for power as much as you can. Don't worry about strikeouts. It's going to be okay. It'll work out. It'll come out in the wash. Um, and so I wanted to sort of poke at that a little bit and see what's you know, how that bears out in the numbers, uh, because we also know that the Padres have struck out a lot so far on the season. Um, so what I did was I took the top 10 teams, uh, again, as of May 12th, in terms of strikeouts. So we're looking at the, and surprisingly, the Padres aren't the worst in the league as of last week. Uh, the Rangers round out the bottom of the list with 396 Ks. Uh, then it's the Padres, Giants, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Yankees, Orioles, Blue Jays, A's, and Astros. And that's in, again, reverse order, starting from the very worst and going up to the 10th worst in terms of strikeouts. Um, so then what I did was I, I took the extra base hits numbers uh, for that same time period for each team. Uh, and I, I think I got a, kind of an interesting new little metric to look at. I'm not sure what to call it. So um, the raw formula is just extra base hits divided by total strikeouts. I kind of like the idea of calling it like a power or uh, maybe a sellout efficiency number, power efficiency. I don't know. That sounds kind of good, right? Sounds official. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I think I like power efficiency better, but sellout works too. Sellout percentage might be good. <laughs> anyway, so when we look at that, um, we get a new sort of shakeup of the, the layout here. So we're looking at uh, the Blue Jays, who have a non-trivial amount of strikeouts themselves, 350 versus the the Padres standard of 393. Um, now, their extra base hits, though, were accounted for 39.43% uh, of their total strikeouts, whereas the Padres, and surprise, surprise, they're at the very bottom of my new metric, uh, they had 26.72% of their 
uh, extra base hits as a percentage of strikeouts. Um, so, I mean, there's a bit of an interesting pattern here. So if we look at the list from that perspective, sorting from top to bottom with extra base hits per strikeout, um, it's you see some of these teams that are doing pretty well in the standings. Uh, the Blue Jays are at the top of the list, followed by the Yankees, the A's, um, which are kind of one of the outliers as far as poor performers, but they're still at 500 as of last week, 19 and 19. Uh, then the Astros, we've talked about them a couple of times, uh, and the Diamondbacks. Those are the top five uh, in terms of this metric. And they're all at, so the, the, the percentages there are 39.4, 38.9, 37.3, 35.2, and 32.24%. So it, what it seems like to me is once you hit that like 32, 33% number on my brand new stat that I need to trademark and patent, um, <laughs> that's when you start to see some results. Um, it seems like this and I've been talking for a while here, but uh, this this new ethos or new new philosophy of just swinging for the fences, trying to get those extra base hits, strikeouts be damned. Um, I think it's a bit of a dice roll is what these stats are telling us. Um, and it just hasn't been paying off for the Padres, um, whether that's batting skill, which I think it's probably more of that than say like a BABIP argument where it's bad luck and it'll turn around if they keep swinging for the fences. Um, I think the skill plays into that as well, so it's a bit of a mixture. But that seems to be the magic number as far as I see it. Uh, Johnny, you've got those numbers in front of you. What do you, do you see any sort of uh, insights from that as well? Or yeah, uh, no, I, I think you explained it really well. Um, but and and I, I want to touch on something too that, that that you sort of brought up as far as how a lot of people are selling out for power because I think at first glance like someone can just be like well yeah of course if you hit more extra base hits then strike out then that's better which like well yeah of course we all know that but what I think we're seeing happening a lot more is people that are selling out too much um, or guys that would be very effective ball players hitting it to the gaps are instead trying to swing for the fences and striking out a lot more and that and that ends up not being very effective um like for for you know either them or or for the team as well um or guys that can sometimes hit it out who are always trying to hit it out uh I, you know it's if if everyone's trying to hit a home run then you're going to hit a lot of solo home runs cuz no one's going to be on base uh right. so so i think if you know if a team is trying too hard to push that philosophy or to trying to have everyone, it, it, I think some teams are trying to standardize their batting philosophy where they're saying everyone should be doing this, where I don't think that should really be the case. Um, or maybe players themselves are thinking, well, here's what the numbers say for those players that do read a lot of advanced stats. So if they're saying, well, the math tells me this is the best way, quote unquote, best. Then I'm just going to do this because it's the best way, and I'll hit the, I'll get the best stats, and I'll be valued the most, and I'll get the most money. Uh, but that's not exactly the case for every single player. Uh, so, so I think that's where this stat can can you know definitely come into play, where you don't need all of your team trying to sell out and hit hit you know hit hit it hit it uh, past the fences. You just need some of the guys who can excel at that to be doing that. You know, I, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all philosophy, but I think right now it's kind of being branded that way because it's new and the, you know, the stats generation is, is really coming into its own and in, in having a voice in the, in the baseball community. 
I agree. Um, I, I think another insight that we can gain from this is that um, teams that have perhaps a high power efficiency TM registered trademark number, um, <laughs> they are perhaps more volatile, right? So teams that you see at the top or that are doing well in the standings now, if they've got a high percentage of extra base hits per strikeout, perhaps you know the sellout is just working in their favor at the moment. And similar to you know a, a guy with a really high BABIP in the 400s or something like that, maybe that's going to come back down to earth. Um, but on the other hand, you know, I mean, it could just be that they're good. I mean, you expect a team like the Yankees when they've got you know Gary Sanchez, Aaron Judge, and Giancarlo Stanton all in the same lineup. You're going to expect a lot of strikeouts, but you're also going to expect a whole lot of pop and a whole lot of extra base hits. So, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like a team by team basis, but I also like the argument that you make about uh, individual players looking at their, you know, the advanced stats, and I'm sure they're also looking at how guys are getting paid based on the, you know, production they're putting out on the field, um, and if strikeouts are in fact being a little bit um, minimized in terms of how much they hurt a perception of a player from the coaching standpoint, uh, I think it it just makes sense from a you know. I, I don't want to say selfish, but from a financial standpoint, these guys want to make money. Yeah. They want to hit home runs, and if they can oh, hit, yeah. if they can hit thirty home runs, when you know, if they were swinging for contact, they were hitting twenty or fifteen. Then you know, more power to them to get the most money that they can. But yeah, I think it's, it's something that can create a lot of volatility, and ultimately, I think it can create a lot of excitement because you know, if these teams start to come down to earth a little bit, you start to see some tighter races. Um, yeah, you know, the, the Red Sox come to mind. We just talked about the Yankees having a high percentage of strikeouts, but also a high percentage of um, extra base hits for those strikeouts. Uh, I think the Red Sox are a team that might be able to be a little bit more steady. So I think, um, and I mean, the Blue Jays are right there too. So, I mean, I, I don't think I'm making any sort of earth-shattering statement by saying that the AL East is going to be exciting to watch, but mm-hmm. um, it could create some interesting results if, you know, if the Yankees oh, yeah. cool off and the Red Sox stay consistent and that back and forth continues throughout the season. Yeah. You know, and really, I think what this stat shows is, you know, the, the, what teams are doing right now is it's a gamble. So it's, you know, we're, we're, we're gambling on a home run, and we know we might, it might be a strikeout. So this stat is, is basically just showing at what point does that gamble pay off, and where does it not pay off. Um, so, I, I mean, that, that's, I don't know, that's the reason why I like this stat. But, um, Me too. Yeah, yeah I, I like to point out the, uh, my favorite anomaly here is the Orioles. So they've got a 31.36% number for extra base hits as a percentage of strikeouts, the power efficiency number. Wow. Um, oh, my they, God. Uh, I didn't realize. I didn't even see that win-loss number. Yeah, they as of as of the 12th, they were 11 and 27. So the gamble is paying off in terms of, you know, just the pure numbers, the pure statistics, but they're somehow not turning that into wins. And I, I guess I'd have to chalk that up to Orioles pitching, which is the cliche of all cliches. But I, I, I can't think of any other way to explain that. Yeah, it's... It, I it's rare that I see an organization well that's not rare it's it's fun to see organizations that are completely inept in like one thing so like the Orioles cannot develop pitching the Padres can never keep a hitting coach or keep like have consistent hitting uh the Pittsburgh Steelers are always well it's kind of opposite but they're like always good at drafting linebackers and wide receivers so it's it's you feel bad for pitchers that get drafted by the Orioles because it's just like until you leave, nothing good will happen. Uh, by the way, they're fourteen and thirty-two right now, so still terrible. Already seventeen and a half games back in the East. Oh man, you know it makes, <laughs> makes me feel better when there's a team that's worse than the Padres. Like Padres it just are only my six heart. back of the D-backs. Oh wow, that's yeah. that's not something. D-backs I are only twenty-five and twenty-one. Man, 
everyone else has been cooling off while we're getting hot, hot, hot. Thanks, Mets. That helps us out. They, I think they swept them, right? Yeah, D-backs are one and nine in their last ten. Well, to uh, to get into like your typical uh, sports talk radio drumming up of drama, is it because they're thinking about moving to a new stadium? Do you think that's getting in the players' heads? The uncertainty I of potentially think that having management a new is telling the players that they need to stop playing so hard until they get the new stadium. That's what I'm hearing from my sources inside the organization. <laughs> <laughs> I need uh, to yell because I have no personality and I want you to hear me. Don't turn off the radio. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Like, okay. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, that, I think that works as a good transition. So the uh, the Padres are getting a little bit hot with the bats. Uh, so we, we just talked about that number being very low for the Padres. Um, my impression, and I went to a game in, in late March, so very early in the season, I saw a lot of really hard swings out of players like Will Myers and Eric Hosmer. Um, we saw what it did to Myers. I mean, he's on the DL with, you know, well, back spasms or oblique injuries or what have you, which, um, I mean, if you're really swinging out of your shoes and when you've got Matt Stairs on the uh, coaching staff I think you're going <laughs> to see a lot hard. of <laughs> grip it and rip it is, is he the John yeah. Daly of baseball do you think yeah Matt no Stairs? his his phrase was swing how you live hard <laughs> oh man yeah he's or, totally uh, or it was I swing how I live hard something like that yeah no he, he's like he's like the hitting version of uh uh what the hell is his name from Eastbound and Down Shit, I forget. Anyway, uh, email us. We're gonna. That's gonna yeah. kill us, man. I know they're they're yelling it, and I know the name Kenny Powers. Duh. There you go. Oof. There we go. Oh man, I feel yeah. better. Whew. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so speaking of a guy like Hosmer, um, he's been turning it around. Uh, I think it's been a, a case of slowing things down a little bit, maybe swinging for a little bit more contact, um, and we're seeing him starting to hit some of the gaps. He's getting doubles. I mean, I think he. I saw him steal a base on Tuesday, which is always fun seeing a first baseman get steals. But um, I think uh, maybe there's a change of, of philosophy to an extent. Maybe there's an adjustment going on. Perhaps they're seeing the same numbers that I am. Um, and it's it's seeming to work for Hosmer. Um, he seemed a lot more in control when I watched him on Tuesday than when I saw him in late March. Um, and the numbers are uh, reflecting that. And he's been having himself a nice little couple of weeks in May here. Yeah, he's been, it's, that's just the, the thing that I like about him is he is consistent, he's steady, he's reliable, even if he's not always wowing you, he'll come up when there's guys on second and third and one out, and he doesn't somehow strike out or find a way to, like, end the inning. He'll hit the ball between the first and second baseman in the right field, and then one or two runs score. Like, it's just like... The things that are supposed to happen that a baseball player should be doing, he does. And it's sad that I'm like, oh, it's so nice to have that. But it's so nice to have that. <laughs> well, yeah, just a quick look at his numbers. So 2017 with the Royals, um, really the only huge difference I see, well, oh, on-base percentage suffers a little bit too as a result of this, but the batting average. So 318 in 2017, he's 270 on the season in 2018, um, which I think is pretty heavily affected by some weak numbers to start the season, which I think we've explained pretty adequately from swinging perhaps a little too hard, trying to do a little too much being the, uh, the big free agent signing for the Padres, but his on-base percentage 370 in 2018 so far versus 385 in 2017, uh, slugging 491 so far this year versus 498 last year. So very close. Um, and then if you look at WRC plus, 
135 with 100 being the average ball player and higher being better uh, for 2017 and then 137 so far in 2018 so again super consistent yeah. um, it, we're getting Eric Hosmer which is great it's it's awesome to sign a guy and have him be uh, what he was uh, touted as to sort of live up to the billing so to speak um, that's something that we're not used to as, as San Diego baseball fans I think no no we're used to disappointment <laughs> like uh, Jim Edmonds perhaps <laughs> so yeah you know one concern i had with hosmer too is there's a almost a san francisco giants like pattern of great season followed by a really not so great season or you know mediocre to below average season and it would alternate over the, i think it was like the past four or five years mm-hmm. uh so it's something that was concerning to me but uh, i mean if you can keep this trend up and uh you know kind of keep it on the level keep it in control uh maybe not subscribe so much to the notion that he's the guy who needs to put the team on his back. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we, there's lots to look forward to with Hosmer. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. If anything, he's just going to continue to get more comfortable playing here and get more into a groove. Um, and, you know, assuming that he, that he stays healthy and everything, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a guy that we won't need to worry about first base for the next six, seven, eight seasons. Like that's, that's nice. It's nice to have. Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, if we're looking at trading one of the two of these players at some point in the future, I think I'm leaning towards trading Myers at this point. Um, but again, I mean, Myers has missed so much of this season, but I mean, that's sort of also a knock against him. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if if we do trade him, I, I would assume it would be to an AL team who can use him as a DH some days, throw him in the outfield some days, throw him at first base some days. Um, so that he's getting the changes of scenery that he needs and uh, yeah, can't let, can't let him get bored. You know, isn't in the field uh, every single day. So I, I feel like that would be probably the move. Um, and he's still got some shine on him because he is, you know, he is still pretty young and his contract isn't, you know, absolutely completely awful. Um, and he is talented. You know, it, it really is. Like you said, it's just the health thing. So. Right. Well, uh, somebody, I think, maybe uh, now that Hosmer sort of figured out his troubles so far, uh, that maybe he could take under his wing for a little while. I think Franchi Cordero needs a little bit of help, man. Is this a player that I'm I'm really excited about, a player that I'm almost as excited for as uh, my boyfriend, Christian Villanueva, um, <laughs> <laughs> who, by the way, has just ended a, a horrific slump, and uh, he's now got 12 home runs on the year, so he's... He's back in action, boys. Get the uh, hype train back on the tracks. Nice. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Franchi Cordero here, uh, <laughs> a guy who has I, I watched on Tuesday again, and, I mean, just not good looking at bats, just easy strikeouts. And, you know, I wanted him to be the guy where it's like, all right, this guy's got pop. Like, this guy could, you know, he. I mean, he's hit, hit some of the hardest hit balls in the league so far on this season. Uh, but, I mean, when he's just striking out on three, four pitches, it's it's kind of hard to be that intimidating uh, presence behind the plate and that's not even getting into the defensive problems that he's been having as of late which I'll, I'll let you touch on a little bit yeah um it, it's kind of crazy that that he was in a way responsible for ending both of the perfect game bids <laughs> because i think uh, it was also he, he 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 couldn't catch that that uh, the, the one with ross either um yeah he he might just need to stay in the corners. Um, 
because it's uh, I, I don't know if if was he playing uh, was he playing center on the on during the Lyle start? No, uh, he was in uh, left field actually. Oh boy! All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, let's yeah. let's let's play. Uh, uh, let's take some of the heat off here. Uh, he Please was. Go. It was Trevor Story who was at bat, so you got to respect some of his power, right? So you got to play yeah, it back a little bit. Yeah, and it bit. was a bit of a, it, it, it was that was kind of a bloop, wasn't it? It was a bit of an in betweener. I think, yeah. you know, in my opinion, I think he should have known, you know, the perfect game was on the line and dove for it. I mean, so you give up a double or a triple, whatever, like go for that ball. Yeah, I but, think we were up what four nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think you there's not really much of an excuse for not diving, uh, but uh, something else to consider about Franchi is I believe he's a converted outfielder. He used to play infield more frequently, so I, I think he's still trying to work out some of the nuances of playing in the outfield, um, but I mean, I think that's where he's got the most value defensively because he has that crazy speed um, to go along with the scary power that he sometimes is able to unleash when he can get the bat on the ball. So uh, he, he's yeah. got to figure it out. I don't. I don't know where else we could put a guy like that. So from May tenth, his average was two eighty one. It's down to two fifty two. Um, just kind of numbers down, down across the board. Um, he hasn't had a multi hit game since May tenth. Um, so yeah, I, I he might be pressing. He might. You know, it could just be that pitchers are seeing something that they didn't see before, or that he's you know showing something. But uh, but yeah, I I think. Uh, I think uh, Ole Haas should uh, take him under his wing and help him get a little consistency. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, moving right along. Uh, so we've talked about some of the these younger guys. We talked about Cordero. We talked about Lyles. Uh, Lyles has been around for a little bit, but he's. I think he's still on the younger side. But I, I want to talk about the the farm system a little bit. Um, we we <laughs> we looked at some draft prospects last week and had a good time <laughs> with that. Uh, but more specifically, I'm thinking about Cal Quantrill and Mackenzie Gore. Uh, I guess more Quantrill than Gore. Uh, Gore's still in uh, A-ball right now. Uh, but when, when do you think we should expect these guys to come up? Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think Cal Quantrill should come up uh, after the rosters expand this September. Uh, at the very least, you could have him in the bullpen and give him some more big league experience, kind of like, uh, which I believe is what they did last year as well. So I, I don't see why they wouldn't bring him up at least then, if not earlier. Uh, if there is another injury uh, in the rotation, I think his name should absolutely be in consideration to come up. It, even though his numbers haven't exactly been stellar at Double A this year, uh, you know, I, 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 he has I think shown at least with with last season that he can be a you know quality major league pitcher uh so i you know i, I don't see why he uh, why he shouldn't come up especially uh, to be honest especially considering what we've seen from lauer this season <laughs> yeah yeah i think i mean this starting rotation has been more or less in shambles from the get-go um i i feel like you got to get as many players a shot with some big league time as you can um just clear, sort of see what you have especially as we're trying to uh kind of maintain that trajectory towards 2020, 2021 when we want this team to start firing on all cylinders. Um, yeah, I'm also concerned with some of his numbers in double A ball. Um, you know, 7.61 strikeouts per nine isn't terrible. Um, all Four walks per nine innings, it could be a, a touch better. And then his ERA is is a little bit off. I mean, he's double A, is that the PCL, yeah? 
No, Triple A, but uh, yeah, Double oh, okay. A I think is more. It's a little more neutral, which is why they've been calling up a lot more guys straight from Double A because they're kind of getting a better better idea. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, who so knows? I... Maybe he's working on something. I'm just gonna make excuses for him because I like him. I bet he's working on pitches. Yeah, he's probably learning a new pitch. Maybe he's yeah, working on like a... he's learning on a new pitch. Lyle's Tough trying ball. to teach him that curveball. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know when he would get over there. <laughs> With Double A, Double A San Antonio. <laughs> that's true it's it's uh, 2018 we have the technology he can show him yeah. grips on video chat whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, now how do you feel about uh mr gore oh yeah because Gore. uh as much as i would love to see him this year i don't think he should come up this year um i think we should maybe see him late next year but that would probably be it unless he just like crushes trip or crushes single a gets called up mid or gets promoted to double a mid season crushes double a if he does that i wouldn't mind seeing him in spring training next season um but he would have to like really just just kick ass and in, in single and single and double a which he's been good so far but he hasn't been the utterly dominant shutdown mckenzie gore um that you know we, we we've we've heard about it yeah, so I mean, he's got eleven point two five strikeouts per nine, uh, but then he also has a ten point one three ERA so far. And granted, that's only over three starts, so it looks like he probably just had a blow up game in there. But yeah, kind of a intriguing spot for Gore right now, because uh, you would think with that kind of strikeout number in, in a ball that that would indicate that he's moving in the right direction. But then to have an ERA like that, that's that's uh, sort of a what's the word conundrum, I suppose. <laughs> It is. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I didn't, I you know, I think I thought that Gore was further ahead in the system than when I proposed we talk about him. He just gets, I didn't well, realize he was still in a Like he's like their number one or two prospect already, and he's only, he's maybe nineteen. He might still be eighteen, honestly. Um, but yeah, he's like the number one or number two prospect. He's like generally a top thirty MLB prospect, just because the ceiling is so high on him. Oh yeah, he's only nineteen. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, he is. He did, Yeah, so he is nineteen. Okay. That, yeah, that's okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah, no, he's a youngin. <laughs> yeah, I had a little bit of a misconception on him though. I was like, what, what? Where is he at? Why is he in Double A? What's going on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, I think I'll uh, open up the the floor here before we get into recommendations. Is there any? Um. Oh, oh, we totally forgot. Uh, Jordan Hicks. I want to. Oh talk yeah, about him. that was that was pretty wild. So this just happened today, what's today, the 20th of May, uh, in an at-bat against Odubel Herrera of the Phillies. Uh, it was, what, five pitches, the five fastest pitches on the season for 2018. He touched 105, I think, like three times. Um, it was like one, I think he threw like one pitch that was 104, maybe two pitches that were 104 and three that were 105. The guy was just rearing back and throwing. That's, I mean, and he's a young kid too. He's a rookie, I believe. Um, that, uh, boy, it's... It's just fun to see a flamethrower like that, you know? Yeah, here's fun Jordan Hicks stats. Uh, so he did hit one. He hit 105.1. He hit 105. And this was all in the same at bat. 104.3, 104.2, 103.7. That was all the Odubel Herrera. And those were the five fastest pitches thrown this season. Boy, that's mind-blowing. That's, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. The story. entire StatCast leaderboard is Jordan Hicks and Aroldis Chapman, and honestly, Jordan Hicks is on it more than Aroldis Chapman is. 
Um, eight of the top ten are Jordan Hicks. It's nuts. There's not a single pitch under 101.3 miles an hour on this like top 30 leaderboard. That's wild. Now, one more layer of, of just bonkers is I think those were all sinkers as well, not not just straight 14 fastballs. Oh, no, he throws a two-seamer. But, well, yeah, sinker, two-seamer. Yeah, because he, he probably has a sinking two-seamer. So, yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, they have some of his – he has a, allegedly a two-seamer, a sinker, and a four-seamer. Um, so I don't know if the sinker – yeah, the sinker is looks like it's basically the, the two-seamer. I believe he also – The two-seamer just has mad – action otherwise anyway sorry what that's okay i believe he also had an 89 mile per hour slider that he worked in there not in that at bat necessarily Ooh, boy the different that's point of the day yeah that's that's a tough change in speeds to to try Some to randy johnson up to. shit <laughs> but yet he's only got three and a half strikeouts for nine innings i just don't don't get it we were talking about this before we we got the show started today uh 3.5 strikeouts per nine he's walking a lot of guys six per nine innings so i guess you just get up there and try not to get hit because he's not really commanding his fastball too much. Yeah, it's got to be terrible though. T- uh, terrifying though to uh, to just play against that guy. Oh, wow, gosh. yeah, that's wild. Twenty point two innings pitched, eight strikeouts. How? How? That's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Apparently, that's he's crazy. just throwing him either at the guy or way off or the just plate like or bone right down the straight. middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just like the most bone straight four seamer. I don't know. I should watch him. We we just you know I, I I don't get to watch a ton of games, so I just watch Padres when I can. I don't have time to watch the Cardinals. Plus, I don't like them. So <laughs> I'll just go. Watch, I'll go on pitcher list and look for a gif of Jordan of Jordan Hicks. I'm sure there's many of them on there. Didn't we watch the Cardinals sweep the Padres out of the playoffs like three times in a two row or something crazy? Two years in a row like or three? Yeah, it was like two or three. Yeah. Oh, two. those were dark times. Yeah. I mean, granted, those weren't you know the most electric Padres teams yeah. to win the division. That was but- when. I'd like that them was to when win a Jake game. Jake PV pitched with like a broke. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was when Jake PV pitched with like a broken rib and didn't tell anyone. They had, oh, like, he had yeah. like broken it in like the end of season celebration because they got in by winning the game, and then he broke his rib, and so he pitched with a broken rib, and was really not good. Of course, of course, the like, one guy you would need to get a postseason <laughs> He's win. Like, He's I'm got a broken tough rib. Through it. San Diego sports, everybody. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, so now's the part, you, uh, part of the show where we uh, make some recommendations to enrich your lives and just, you know, just get some more enjoyment out of your day to day life. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and hand those off to uh, Johnny first. Uh, my recommendation is grow some herbs, not grow some herb. That's entirely up to you. <laughs> but. If you would like to grow some herbs, I, I recommend it. Uh, my wife and I planted an herb garden in our backyard, and it's been much easier than I thought. Like, even in Phoenix, it's in the hundreds or close to it pretty much every day at this point in the year. And we've just got a little shade cloth, and we have, like, just a bunch of different, like, basil, mint, tomatoes, like, just a whole mess of stuff that I honestly didn't know would grow in Phoenix. Didn't think it would grow here. Uh, and it's been pretty easy to maintain it and I don't have to pay a lot for fresh, uh, herbs. So yeah, I recommend it. Do it. Um, find space in your, in your house and grow some herbs. It's just nice and relaxing. It's nice to come out in the morning and and look at your herbs in your garden. And, uh, yeah, so I recommend that it'll enrich your life. Honestly, I swear it's, it's fantastic. 
what do you recommend, Joel? Well, first of all, nothing like the smell of fresh basil, right? I mean, that's... Oh, man. Yeah, that's... between the basil and the mint, like, I'll just, like, mess around with the mint, just, like, put my hands in it a little bit, and, uh, and it just smells like spearmint everywhere. It's wonderful. Nice. Yeah, the basil, too. Cool. <laughs> Also, tarragon, which I did not know, tasted just like black licorice. So I just like take off leaves of tarragon and eat it. It's so oh, good. Wow. Yeah, but I just I'm weird and I like black licorice, which I'm sure like ninety five percent of the people listening. So what, like five out of the six people, uh, <laughs> don't like black licorice? Oh, burn! Got us. Yeah, self burn. <laughs> <laughs> we need some ice oh, for yeah. that burn. Um, you, you can put okay. me in the uh, the hating black licorice column. I'm not a fan. Yeah, no, it's pretty much everyone but me. Um, I'm like, like I don't like hard liquor, but I will drink cold Jaeger like out of the bottle, and it's delicious. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I, I know. I remember my <laughs> my grandpa on my mom's side was a big fan of black licorice. And that's I remember wanting. Yeah, I was just a little kid, and I'd be like, oh, you got candy? I want to try some of that candy, and then I'd eat it, and it was black licorice. And <laughs> like, I didn't never want trusted that him candy. after that <laughs> anyway so my my uh life changing or life enriching i don't want to get too ambitious here recommendation uh something i did this weekend that was just a lot of fun um something my dad used to do with me when i was a kid and now i'm kind of passing the torch um down to my kids uh it's sort of specific i know not everybody likes to golf but if you are a golfer just i mean there's just nothing like taking your kids out to the driving range and just smacking a bucket of balls out there. Um, you know, especially when you know you're just there to have a good time. Sometimes I go to the range and I'm way up in my own head and trying to work work out my swing path or whatever. And, you know, it's just not as good. I beat balls the whole time and I get all worked up into a ladder and it's not the best time. But just taking your kids out there and just not worrying about what you're doing and just having a good time. It's, it's great. And, I mean, obviously anything you do with your kids is usually going to be a pretty enriching experience, but... You know, it's a beautiful spring day. It's a good time of year to be getting outside. and Yeah, so that's my recommendation. Get out to the driving range and bring your kids. Do it, yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun. Even if you're bad, it's just like you can impersonate Happy Gilmore at least a couple times, and it will be funny. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you'll randomly get a hold of one, and it'll give you just enough hope to keep going and keep trying because, hey, maybe you'll get better. Um, so, yeah, it's it's perfect. Well, my, my kids are, are five and six, so... Um, right now at that age, the number 100 is like mythical to them. So if you be like, if you've got that shot, which is basically like a wedge, oh yeah, I can hit this ball 100 yards. <laughs> They're like, gonna be like, what? <laughs> yeah. So it's just great. You're gonna look like a hero to your oh, kids. Man. They're gonna have fun. <laughs> You're gonna have fun. Get out and there. And you can it's pretty great. much always hit the sandwich well. Oh yeah, so you're, you're like rarely player. gonna mess that one up. So you're just looking awesome all the time. You're like, let me just chip this one and this one and this one. <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing kids that age really like. I remember this from when I was a kid. Far almost isn't even as exciting as hitting the ball high in the air. So if you're hitting your wedge up in the like just way high up in the air, they're going to love it. Oh, yeah. I like it. All right, so uh, I think that's our show for today. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. All seven or eight of you, self-burn number two. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> uh, we'll be sure to get back to you guys next week with some more Padres Insights. This is uh, Dad's Talking Dads. I'm Joel. I'm Johnny. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that, was right, that was fun. Sweet. And we kept it pretty tight. We, we ran like 10 minutes over, but that's still better than we usually do. Yeah, that was yeah, it was pretty quick. And the, the runtime still wasn't too much uh, uh, longer or shorter than I know. Uh, we're under, 
Yeah, yeah, we're like we're like right around like forty five, and I think we're usually like right around like fifty or forty or something. So yeah, that was good. Nice, great job hosting. You sounded great. 